Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Well, good morning, Greenville, Texas, and welcome to another very special edition of His Mighty Hand, radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located right here in Greenville, Texas. Now, today's message is by Pastor Chet. We've not heard from him for a while, and this is an amazing message. As you listen to this, remind yourself that he brought this message on June the 7th of 2020. You're going to want to invite a friend. You don't want to miss a moment of this one. You might just find yourself touched by his mighty hand. Now here's Pastor Chip. If I were to read this line to you, I bet you could identify the hymn that it comes from. Thine alabaster cities gleam, undimmed by human tears. Does anybody know the author of that uh, line? <laughs> It's actually written by Kathy Lee Bates. In, uh, uh, she was born 100 years before me, 1859. And uh, she wrote this song. Um, trying to remember when she revised the lyrics in 1904, but it first appeared in print in 1895. I remember it was inspired by a trip to Pikes Peak in Colorado. And uh, she wrote the song, America the Beautiful. Thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. And for so long, that was really true of our country. No enemy had ever attacked American soil, which is remarkable for a nation of any size. Almost every nation knows what it is to be attacked by an enemy at one time or another. But America never had, except for our own civil war, until, of course, Pearl Harbor, and that was not the continental United States. And then, uh, finally, on 9-1-1 of 2001, we had a horrific attack from an enemy. Um, but it was really not another nation that was attacking us and declaring war against us. It was a terrorist attack. And Catherine Bates was just pointing out this remarkable thing that that God has really blessed our nation and protected her uh, with these beautiful alabaster cities. We've got beautiful cities all over this nation. You can go and see the skylines and the, the architecture and the skyscrapers of any major American city, and they're remarkable, beautiful. Never have been attacked as London has. Never has been attacked as Paris has or other great cities in Europe that have all been scorched by incendiary bombs in major world wars. This never happened here. Isn't that remarkable? It makes you wonder, why has God been so good to us? You know, when I was a pastor in Denison, I actually had the privilege to preach in Belarus several times. I even preached at a place called the Museum of Atheism. 
and had a chance to share the gospel of Jesus there, pass out Bibles. And when we opened those boxes of Bibles, it was like a feeding frenzy. People just about trampled over each other trying to get a Bible. Most remarkable thing I'd ever seen. Well, Pastor Peter from Bob Rusk was our host. And after we visited his country twice, we decided it was time to invite him to come. And so he and one of his associate ministers came all the way to Texas. And we fed them some barbecue. And they thought they were going to get sick every time we tried to put ice in their drinks. They would say, no ice, no ice. It's going to make me sick. You know, they weren't used to that. And there was one place I took Pastor Peter where he fell into an awestruck hush. And he said, oh, God has been so good to America. You know where it was? Walmart. And specifically, do you know what part of Walmart it was? What's the first thing you see when you walk in Walmart? You see apples of every color. You see every kind of citrus fruit. You see onions and potatoes more than anybody could ever eat. You see peppers, corn. It's the produce section. Pastor Peter had never seen anything like that. And he said, oh. God is so good to America. I remember when we were visiting Pastor Peter's home and his wife sent him out to find an extra loaf of bread to feed our group. You talk about humbling. Sit down in the home of some Belarusian hosts while they try to feed your group from their meager supplies. I don't know how far he walked and where he found it, but he came home with a little loaf of bread. It helped to supplement our meal. You talk about humbling. I want to share a message with you today. And by the way, we're not going to make it back to John again. And I hate that because we're in the incomparable John chapter 10. And then we're going to move on into John chapter 11 where a fellow named Lazarus is going to have an amazing experience. That's what's coming when we get back to John. But you may remember last week I took a diversion from John to the Old Testament for the sake of our building vote celebration. And I ignored something that made me really feel irresponsible as a pastor, and I want to address it today. And that is the situation that our nation finds itself in. Because no longer can I really honestly feel that we can say our alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. Our nation is broken. And our nation is in trouble. And our nation is weeping from coast to coast this morning. Because of an internal disease that nobody really knows how to fix. It's complicated. It's complex. I'm not wise enough to really tell you how to fix it. All I know is we need God. Our nation needs the Lord so badly right now.
and, uh, and no longer are our cities undimmed by human tears. And, and I want us to go this morning to a parable that's actually in the Old Testament. Now, Jesus used parables extensively, as we know. But there are also parables in the Old Testament, specifically, here's one, in the Gospel according to Isaiah, chapter 5. It's the parable of the vineyard. Now, Jesus told a parable of the vineyard, and scholars feel surely that Jesus, in using his parable of the vineyard, was at least familiar with and referring to and um, using as his backdrop this parable of the vineyard, which is in Isaiah chapter 5. But as we look at it, I want to call your attention to one particular phrase that I would like to use as my title. It's in verse 4. Where the husbandman of the vineyard says these words, what more could have been done? And that's the title of the message today. What more could God possibly have done than he's done for our country. God has been so good to America that people who visit from other countries drop their jaws in awe with a simple visit to Walmart. And we take it for granted. We consider all of our blessings a gimme. We get upset if they don't fill up our iced tea glasses fast enough at the restaurants that we go to. We're so spoiled compared to the rest of the world. And what we ought to be asking instead of where's my iced tea refill is, what more could God have done than what he's already done for our country? Now, to set this up, let's begin at the beginning. In chapter 5, verse 1, we see that this parable is actually a love song. It's a love song to my well-beloved, a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. Now, this is actually alluding to the love relationship between God and his people. I will be your God, you will be my people. And the greatest commandment that I'm going to give you among all the other commandments is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength that the people of God would love God and that God would love his people. This is the essence of our religion and the essence of discipleship And the essence of Christianity and the essence of being the people of God in the Old Testament was a love relationship with God. And you know what? It's the essence of our heritage as a country. Because our country was founded not by politicians, but by Puritans. And the reason the Puritans came was to seek a utopia. Of Christianity. 
a Christian nation with Christian homes and Christian cities and Christian businesses and Christian economics and Christian schools where children could be taught to read studying the Bible. And as they were taught the Bible, they could learn doctrine. Um, for heaven's sake, the, uh, uh, the, the sermon centers in the hands of an angry God, which was uh, preached by one of our uh, great awakening heroes, was a sermon that caused people to, to shake. Their knees trembled because they recognized the need to stand before God and to fear God. Well, truth is, our, uh, our nation um, was founded as a love uh, relationship with God. The Puritans didn't just have a uh, legalistic desire to set all this up. They loved the Lord. They wanted to glorify God. They founded these schools for the propagation of the gospel. It's in their charters. All the Ivy League uh, colleges, Harvard and Yale, every one of them were, were set up to train preachers to take the gospel to the Native Americans and to many others. Speaking of the Native Americans, their greatest desire was to help them learn about Jesus and to teach them the gospel and to and to preach to them the love of Christ and to, and to treat them respectfully and, and lovingly and, and fairly. All the uh, wars that happened between uh, Native Americans and uh, our country were much later. And they were sinful. And they weren't, uh, they weren't ever supposed to be. And uh, our forefathers found out that you can begin a nation with love affair ideals like are described here in this first verse of the parable of the vineyard in Isaiah but it didn't last very long because they recognized that you cannot force anyone to become a Christian you can't legislate it you can't make it uh, a legal matter Becoming a Christian is a matter of faith. And uh, governmental institutions don't really have a soul to get saved. They're only as Christian as the people who run them. And so the only way you can really shape a nation, and I'll say this, the only way you can change a nation is one heart at a time. Everybody's heart has to be reached the same way. And that's with the message of the gospel and the love of Christ. And so what they had to do was sort of shift from a puritanistic ideal and desire to a pluralistic nation. And pluralism was actually not a bad thing. Pluralism simply allowed people to have whatever faith they felt they wanted to believe in or no faith at all with a complete liberty to practice their faith, which is called religious liberty. And that was put in the Bill of Rights. That the government would not establish a religion, but would exercise freedom for all faiths, including those who were Jewish, 
including those who had no faith, those who were atheists, their right to practice their faith was strictly protected by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in a pluralistic sense. Well, notice what the Bible describes God did for Israel. Uh, The vineyard represents the, the nation of Israel. God is the husbandman. And the people of Israel are the fruit, or the the grapes. They're the produce of the vineyard. Notice what God says. My beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. And by the way, the the grapes of Eskol and of Ephraim in the land of Israel are considered to be so superior to other grapes, that even the gleanings, that is after the reapers come and take to market the main lion's share of the grapes, those leftover grapes were superior uh, to the best grapes found in other vineyards, in other places. And so it's a very fruitful place. This land of Israel that we recently visited, about the size of Vermont, is so fruitful. Now they're growing more fruit per square inch than any other place in the world. We saw them, banana plantations, like you can't even believe. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, acres and acres of bananas covered in, uh, in uh, a fabric, sort of like a greenhouse, to keep them growing even in the winter months. Unbelievable. We saw those everywhere. A very fruitful hill. What did God do? He dug it up. He cleared out the stones. It's a lot of work. He planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst. Not a shack, not a shed, but a tower. This speaks of God's protective, possessive desire and determination to take care of his people. And that's what I was trying to describe in the beginning, how our nation uh, of America has been so remarkably blessed by the protective hand of God throughout our history. Only recently, only recently have we been unable to sing uh, undimmed by human tears about the, uh, about the cities of our nation, which are now burning and tearing apart at the seams. And we're finding that it's not a foreign enemy that's caused our nation to tear apart at the seams. It's trouble from within. We're imploding from within. It's it's us. We're tearing ourselves apart. He also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Now, what do you do with a wine press? That large stone press where a millstone can actually press the grapes and produce the fruit of the vine uh, for commerce, for, um, for profit. This was not an experiment This was not a hobby. Uh, This is a picture like a farmer who invests his whole life in his farm. Here's a a vineyard 
that is at great expense. If this were done by a man in Israel, it would have cost him his life savings. It would have been no hobby or experiment. He would have done it with a certain expectation that that wide press was going to yield a profit. That he was going to make a living from it. And he expected it to do what? To bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. He had every reason to expect superior, uh, top shelf, highest quality produce. But instead, what did it bring? Wild grapes. Now, this is a picture of the bitter disappointment of God. When he's done everything he could do, and the only question left to ask is, what more could God have done? And God looks upon his vineyard, his nation, his country that he's established, that he has provided for this country that he has blessed so remarkably. And what is he looking for? He's looking for the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of godly character, the fruit that the Puritans expected would cause this godly utopia to spring forth. And instead, what does he see? He sees only the wild grapes of disobedience and uh, blasphemy, disrespect, disregard for the message of the Bible, God looks at it and he's just so disappointed. So what does God say? Verse 3. Now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard than I have not done in it? What more than what I've done already could possibly be done? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now let me please tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned. I will break down its walls. And it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. And it shall not be pruned or dug. But there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds. They will not rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant place. He looked for justice and behold, oppression. For righteousness, behold, a cry for help. Now what we see in the latter part of this parable is a picture of the judgment of God. Now in the Old Testament, there are two kinds of judgment. There's what we can call remedial judgment. And then there's what we can call final judgment. I learned this from Richard Owen Roberts, Brother Paul, the great uh, professor of revival. And uh, 
He says remedial judgment is actually very merciful. It's the chastisement of the hand of God upon a people, upon a nation. It can be on a church. It could be on a family. Maybe you've experienced it personally. The Bible says we should not despise the discipline of the Lord. Because whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And so sometimes a nation like ours or like Israel or like any other nation may experience the remedial judgment of God where God, because of his love for us, breaks down the hedges and allows the marauders and the animals and the, and the wild pigs to come into the vineyard. You ever had wild hogs come in your yard? I guarantee you'll know it when they've been there. They make the biggest mess you ever saw. Root everything up, tear everything up. We had them in our house uh, within the last couple of years. Our neighbors had to have the county come out and trap them, get them removed. God says, I'm, I'm going to move down the hedge and allow wild things to come in this wild vineyard that produces only wild grapes. Bible says, be not deceived, my brethren. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so God says, I'm going to, I'm going to tear down the hedge. And I'm going to take away my hand of protection. And I'm going to let some things start happening to the nation that never happened before. I'm going to ask you a question. I'll be 61 years old this August. I was born in 1959, not 1859, when the author said our nation was undimmed by human tears. Since 1959, things have been a little different, have they not? Since 1959, our nation has experienced a sexual revolution. Since 1959, our nation has voted to become not pluralistic, but secularistic. We've long since decided that pluralism is old-fashioned. And now we need to get sophisticated and modern like our friends in Europe have done I want to tell you, the whole continent of Europe is completely secular. All the churches over there, those big cathedrals, they are relics. They found out that you don't change a city by building a building. They found out in Europe that there has to be character in the hearts of the people. They've become completely secularistic, and that's the way a lot of people are wanting this nation to go as well. We've seen it in my lifetime. We've taken uh, studying the Bible out of the schools and prayer out of the schools and the Ten Commandments out of the schools. and We have, um, in many ways, tried to adjust our nation to a more secular mindset. And... In my lifetime, you know what we've begun to see that we never saw before? Cities burning, uncontrollable riots in the streets. Uh, you know what we've seen that we've never seen before? National 
pandemic diseases. This is not the first. I want to tell you, before I graduated from college, we had never heard of a thing called AIDS. That hit us by storm in the 1980s. Uh, Did you know, uh, since then, in my adult lifetime, we have seen a huge upsurge in... um, in the, uh, the flooding disasters of hurricanes, uh, I'm talking about, there was one place, I had a pastor who was a, over in uh, Florida, pastor friend, he said his church suffered in one year four disastrous hurricanes. Can you even imagine? I talked to a lady on my way home from Disneyland when my kids were just little. In Pensacola Beach, she said, well, our, our city has never been hit by a hurricane. Well, well, that's remarkable. Never had a hurricane hit. Less than six months later, she couldn't say that anymore because one of those big hurricanes hit her like a bullseye. Uh, we've seen an uptick in, uh, in tornadoes. Forest fires, uncontrollable forest fires that just demolish entire states. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 